0: You're listening to the New City Church podcast. These episodes are recorded live on Gadigal land. Sometimes the audio quality might not be perfect because what you're listening to is a conversation. We don't edit out the chatter and we think that's what makes it authentic. Wherever you're tuning in from, we hope you find this episode encouraging.
1: Okay. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field, and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen, and I am on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. I'll tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of, yeah, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet.
0: Thank you, Heathcliff. Um, I just remembered a story that I have um, that was, I didn't prepare, but might as well, while we're sharing. Um, I rocked up to um, a birthday party I was invited to, Lib Sanders birthday party, who I hope never listens to this. Uh, I rocked up with a gift, um, got there, and I was about 15 minutes late, and I arrived, and there was no one else there. Um, So anyway, went into her house, knocked on the door, Uh, she opened the door, I handed her a present, I said, happy birthday, Lib, it's so good to see you, gave her a hug, she was like, come on in, sat there. Um, It was just me for about half an hour, and it kept ticking, and then it was still just me, And I was sitting there thinking, this is so awkward. Like, no one has rocked up to her party. I was devastated for her. Um, Like, I was just so upset. Anyway, left, um, gave her another big hug. I was like, it was really good to see you. Happy birthday. Left, looked at my phone and saw there was a party at her house in a month's time. (laughs) 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 I was mortified. Anyway, she was lovely about it, and I think she still doesn't know, because that was actually closer to her birthday when I rocked up and gave her her gift. Um, so, anyway, but I highly recommend. Um, yeah, she gets two. I rocked up at the next party, as though nothing had happened. Yeah. <laughs> Cover. <laughs> uh, Oh, gosh. Um, If I haven't met you yet, um, that's my introduction. Uh, My name is Joel. I get to co-pastor alongside Steph, pronounce he, him. Um, It's a joy to be here. We are indeed looking at um, this idea, an outrageously offensive guest list, the scandal of who God lets in. I think you can kind of see where this is going. It's like that whole inclusivity thing. Like that's, that's where we're heading with this. Um... Uh, who has ever had to plan a guest list and really struggled with it okay yeah yeah no i need to show off hands yeah okay um who uses this method you draw a circle of concentric friends and it's like here's my close ones here's my family here's the ones who have to come then the next level out do people use this circle method? Or maybe an Excel spreadsheet and you work here, but eventually you get to like the, the outer rim circle. It's like, no, I don't need to invite my bus driver. Um, and that like, you, you, is this how people do their invitations or it's just me? It's just me. Okay, but can you imagine the, 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 the theory behind it? Like you work your way out and eventually there's like, but always in the center, there's like one Uncle Jerry who has to be invited am i right like one yeah one one random family member who has to come and you're like oh it will be really nice if this person wasn't at the party um can i tell you about how uh we designed our wedding invitation guest list uh it was complicated because my cons- my family Um, there's a bunch of conservatives bunch of non I'm not sharing too much don't worry don't worry (laughs) yeah but eventually eventually we narrowed it down to a group of people and here was the criteria we didn't want to be there around full of people in a room who didn't like the fact that we were getting married we did like we're gay by the way Um, so like that's 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 the information that you might have needed to know we, like we, there were lots of people who weren't weren't a big fan. Anyway, a week out from the wedding, I needed I needed RSVPs, so I messaged somebody, um, Reese. I'm just going to name him. Um, his name was Reese, um, and he messaged back, "Hey Joel, sorry I haven't RSVP'd yet. Still trying to work out if it's appropriate for me to come." Ugh, this was a friend who I'd known for many years. Like we 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 weren't really close. But you know, in our little concentric circles, he, he'd made the cut, um, and it was it was like being stabbed. It was like, the, ugh. Um, so I messaged back, um, and I, I was typing my message, and as I was typing my message, he messaged back and said, can I just have a little bit more time? And I'd already typed out my message, and I clicked send, and I said, "It's all good. You're already off the guest list. You've been deleted from the Facebook event. And that was it. That was it. Um, <laughs> um, I haven't seen him since. I uh, haven't spoken to him. I, like, so I don't know how he ended up. I assume he's going well. Um, but there was, there was just this moment of like, oh, he could have been there. If he just said yes, he would have rocked up. Um, and who knows what he would have said. I'm, I'm glad he kind of, you know, process of elimination there. He, he self-excluded himself um, by, by value of being a bit slow, but I um, th- there's this issue, isn't there, with guest lists, this is where I'm heading. Um, hands up if over the next, what's the date today? The 11th, in the next two weeks, uh, hands up if anyone here is going to attend a gathering, family, friends, where there's going to be people who you might not be super comfortable with or who may not be super comfortable with your life choices. Ah, yep there's a good stash there's a good stash um look there might be one or two who aren't um that's okay where we're heading today is um this this is a story about inclusion it's a story of how the gospel this good news that Jesus brings this kingdom that Jesus inaugurates is all-encompassing like everyone can come in it's there is no like this door is wide people are invited but at the same time this comes with caveats and so we're going to park for a week in the caveat section of this parable and it might be uh it might be a little hard for me it was a bit of a rebuke um and I use that word really I I, gently like for me rebuke isn't like I'm going to slap you it's a oh there's probably areas I can do a bit better in um that that, that's how it's been for me so that that's where we're going um uh, I don't think it will be too intense um but I I also want it to sit with us as we go in and because the reality of an all-inclusive guest list, is that there's going to be people at the party who smell. Yeah? Um, There's going to be people at the party who say awkward things, uh, who uh, are deeply uncomfortable and who hold wildly opposing views to you. And I'm torn on where the emphasis of this parable should be. Because on the one hand, the emphasis is on you're in this is for you and the flip side of that same coin is you're in and so are they and you're not allowed to say anything otherwise they're, like the, they're the two sides of the same coin and i like i honestly don't know how to sit with that sometimes so that's where we're wrestling does that make sense where we're going Uh, And I I hope it kind of becomes a little bit practical. One of the things that we often speak about here is doing disagreement well, whether that's in church or out of church. We're going to get a little bit practical um, in a couple of things. Um, And I want to set a little bit of context for this parable first. Does that make sense of where we're heading? Let's do it. We're good? Okay. If there's, if there's any questions, like throw your hand up. If there's disagreements, throw your hand up. Um, the context of this parable, Jesus is having dinner at uh, a Pharisee's house, and there's a bunch of Pharisees in the room. Pharisees get a bad rap. They were the religious leaders. They typically seem to present a more traditional view of religion. Uh, we, we think from kind of historical sources, they're a lot more rules-based They had elements of grace in there, but they they stuck to the rigid laws that they had interpreted throughout the Torah, the the, the Hebrew scriptures, yeah? Jesus is there, and he's made the party exceptionally awkward. At this point in the gathering, uh, Jesus is that Uncle Jerry. Like, Jesus is the one who is just saying things that are deeply inappropriate, and super embarrassing for everyone present. It's the kind of situation where um, oh, I'm trying to think. Um, it's really hard to think of examples that. Yeah, I'm not even going to go there. Um, but it's it's like Jesus is saying something super offensive, and everyone is just like mm, biting their tongue. Like, what do I what do I do here? Because there's politically charged things going on. Yeah, it's a, I, that, that's the environment so far. Jesus has walked in and he said, tell me, is it wrong to heal somebody on the Sabbath? Which we know if you've read, if you've read the Bible um, and particularly the, the Gospels, that question eventually like sparks the fuse that gets Jesus killed. Like that is, that is a touchy question at this point. Is it? And there's silence. And so Jesus goes and heals a guy. And he's like, yeah, guys, obviously, you're supposed to do good on the Sabbath. So already he's, he's shown them up and be like, you guys are really wrong about the way that you view the law. Um, he's then watched them all clamoring for the guest's highest honored seat. Like everyone there is clamoring to, to get to the top. And he absolutely obliterates them. And he says, you guys look like losers like you're clamoring for here's a much better way to do it rather than go for the top seat go for the bottom seat and then the the host will actually pull you up and in front of everyone honor you but as it is you're all just looking really embarrassing you're like thanks jesus Uh, appreciate the the cheers um and finally um he's then criticized the guest list um and uh, he, he's told them, look, if you're going to throw a party, you people who think that you're into good, like you, you people who the Pharisees genuinely think you're into social justice, like you guys are the ones championing the rights of the poor. You're the religious. Uh, if you're going to throw a party, don't invite all these rich folk. Like, what, what are you doing? Um, invite the poor. I, invite those people who will never be able to repay you. And then I'll, like, and then I'll know that you're a good person. And you can imagine the host, just like, oh, okay, Um, that's where we're at. Like, Jesus is the one who's dropping these truth bombs that are wildly offensive. And that's when he tells this story. That's the context of the parable that we're in. And so for most of us, we read this as this wonderful story of uh, inclusion, don't we? Because so many of us have spent so long not being invited to the party or being told that we're not allowed within the presence of Jesus. And so Jesus is saying, actually, all of the things that you Pharisees or you late-stage capitalism, all of the things that you think create value, what is it? An able body, whiteness. Wealth, the ability to work in a job, all of these things that you think create value, wait, what, Jesus is saying, no, no, no. The gospel, the kingdom of God is made up of everybody across the spectrum. That's, that's this story. It's a good story in that context, isn't it? It's good news. Uh, this is the gospel that we get to be celebrating and be a part of. And yet, at, at the same time, uh, we're very good at surrounding ourselves with people who think the same as us, aren't we? Um, it's called the homogenous unit principle. Uh, we, we typically flock towards those who are you know, see the world in a, a similar way to us. At this party, you don't get that option. Because you, wherever you are, educated, you're sitting across the corridor, across this table, from somebody who is a peasant. You, Pharisee, you're sitting across the table from someone who is a Sadducee. That, like, was a religious nerd joke, and no, like, there was nothing. Um, uh, uh, you, Republican, are sitting across the table from you, Democrat, liberal, labor climate change denier climate activist that's a bit more awkward um you who affirms gay marriage are sitting next to somebody who voted no even that like that gets my heart racing um, and and somehow we need to sit in that space and be able to turn to them and say "She you pass a sweet potato like we, we need to be able to be in that space yeah this is like this is the hard truth of this parable I think this is, this is the flip side of that, that joy and that hope and that, like, that inclusivity it's inclusivity but it's bigger uh, I um, well, one of my roles is as a social worker, um, and one of the things that social workers get a lot of training in is working in difference, uh, working with people who are polar opposites to us, and having kind of we call it unconditional positive regard. It's a, it's a great term, isn't it? Um, well, I, I, I'm going to share uh, four four strategies that I use a lot in my professional world and that I teach. Uh, emerging social workers, to, to use to think through. Um, and then I'm going to invite you to add any more, any, any other ways that, that you use to love well, to sit in that space at this feast when there are people who are different, people who see the world from a different perspective. Um, now, I'm very aware that in all of this, there's also people who are harmful. I haven't forgotten that at all. So we we, we will come to that, Um, so just want to flag that. Um, So here's my four concepts that I just want to drag out and and wrestle with and um, uh, open the floor for for more. The first one, we've um, we've got them up here. The first one is know your worth. Know your worth. That's where the emphasis is there. Um... I remember when I, uh, when I first started out at Bible college, um, if, I, uh, if I ever didn't know a verse or a reference, I remember feeling so insecure and so embarrassed um, and so ashamed. And then whenever somebody would say a verse or like quote scripture, I'd just be like, whatever, like, you're such a show off. Like, I just, like, it was just this instant reaction where I was like, you are, but then when it came to me, I was like, I need to do better. I need to, like, these days, if I forget a verse, like, I'm confident enough in my ability to pastor or know the Bible. I'm just like, yeah, whatever. Like, who cares what the number is? Like, that's that's so irrelevant. Um, But at at that point, I was so on edge constantly. Another example, um, when I first came out, um, if anybody, looked at me sideways and i thought they know that i'm gay i would just shrink into my shell like it was just but then gradually i got to the point i remember discovering one day i'm actually really proud of the fact that i'm gay and like i wouldn't actually want to be different because i love this part about me like i remember realizing that and now if somebody says something that is homophobic at me like it just it slips off it's wonderful because I get, I got to the, and I can tr- track that a little bit of like, oh no, like I'm really secure in, like in my own worth and I, I don't respond in the way that I used to. Um, another example, I, I have recently kind of moved into academia and I'm still kind of finding my feet. Um, the other day I wrote an email out to, to the whole team and I accidentally didn't, I, I forgot to cite one of the, my colleagues, one of the lecturers and they wrote a really gentle email back to me being like, hi, Joel, you've forgotten me off the list. I melted. And all of a sudden, I just like all of the feedback came back to me. I was like, yeah, well, one of the students told me that you weren't a very good lecturer. I didn't say that to her, but that was my first response. I was like, oh, now the honest truth is I am very insecure in academia. Like I am, I am not comfortable there at all. And I'm, I'm clamoring and trying to do my bit. But I just like my reactions, I know are out of a place there of me not being sure that I belong there. I've got this imposter syndrome just like in the back of my mind. Um, Now, most most visceral reactions that we have are when we feel like we don't have power in a situation, in in situations like that. And uh, so much power that people have over us, we give them. We give them because... We care about their opinion, yeah? And uh, this is a complex terrain, but I know for me, as I become more secure, I'm able to listen to other people's opinions and say, sure, that's your opinion. I think differently, yeah? If I am having an emotional immediate reaction that is something personal, That's when I'm likely to lash out. Yeah? So, one of the things we teach young social workers is be confident in your practice, know your theory, um, so that when someone comes up with a different view, you're able to just sit there and listen. So, knowing your worth becomes foundational. Um, uh, The second one is spelt incorrectly. Oh, no, the E's just dropped down. Um, Assuming positive intent. um, Now, what does this mean? There's a thing called negative attribution bias. Negative attribution bias. What this means is uh, we, we, we were evolved to survive in group contexts. We evolved to survive in villages that had our back, and the natural... this is you know i i from what i understand from evolutionary psych is that the natural tendency is for us to view other people outside of our immediate circle as intent on either causing harm or intent on seeing the world in a different way that's kind of how we naturally often see the world it's that us them mentality that we fall into really easily now the flip side of 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 that natural tendency is that when somebody disagrees with us, all of a sudden we start associating more negativity with them than is actually relevant. That's just like a a psychological phenomenon, this this negative attribution bias. So, for example, somebody says um, at a party they, they don't believe in climate change. And my first response is, yeah, well, clearly you hate the future generations which is not true. Like, they, they don't hate the future generations. Yeah? Well, let me, let me give another example. Um, somebody might say something like, um, increasing Centrelink is just catering to the doll bludgers. Yeah? And my first reaction so far is, uh, well, they're just selfish bastards who want to see people suffer. That's a negative attribution bias. That's just, it clocks in. Um I'm sending my kid to a Christian school because I want them to grow up with Christian values and my negative attribution bias says oh, you're just scared of the queers you're just a you're a coward yeah um, they believe marriage is between a man and a woman well clearly their their souls are so full of hatred that all they want is to see me burn like. Does that, does that make sense? Like, we, we project more negativity than is present. And so the, the counter to that is to assume positive intent. It's actually to say, okay, well, what is it that has got you to this point? What is it that you value that has landed you in this position? So, for example, for somebody who is sceptical of climate science, they might value just not, they, they might value consistency. They might be scared of change. They might value science that is laid out in a specific way. They might have a long history, often intergenerational, of not being able to trust science. And so they value their safety, and because science has hurt them in the past, they can't make that leap. Uh, for somebody who uh, is against increasing Centrelink, they might value good transparency in the way tax is used. And let's face it, our governments haven't done a spectacular job of that. And so th- they can actually see what is transparent when, when they use their money. And so when it just disappears into the abyss, they, they value transparency. And that's a really good thing. So, what I'm saying, this negative attribution bias, it's there. Assuming positive intent is important. And kind of flowing on from that, I'm getting into lecture mode here, because this, this is what I do. I, uh, like I, this is uh, the, the theory behind some of the stuff I love. The next one along from that is uh, people are systems. People are parts of systems. Know what you're fighting and reserve your anger for that. People are part of systems. Know what you're fighting and reserve your anger for that. So, the next slide. This is Brof and Brenner's, Brof and Brenner's ecological systems theory in a diagram. Um, this is how, I can see Elke nodding. We like, Elke has had this drummed into her. Um, this is uh, kind of a core social work perspective that we use. In the center, you have your individual, and they have kind of inherent things that are there about them their sex, their gender, age, health, uh, DNA. There's things that are immutable. Around them, you have their microsystem. So, their, their, their family, religious institutions, new city church, what health systems they're able to access easily, their peers. Um, around that, you have their meso system, and that is kind of that next level. So, they're institutions that they might be involved in, but aren't particularly uh, pertinent to everyday life, but they're present. Outside of that, you have their exo system, and they're systems that the person may never interact with directly necessarily, but are present within the broader world that have really powerful implications for them. Um, and your macro system, which is uh, attitudes and uh, ideologies of the culture that they find themselves in. Now the reason I showed this is because every single one of those layers has a huge impact on the micro. Every single one of those layers is constantly feeding in and out and shaping the worldview of any given individual. And so when it comes to me sitting across the, the table from my auntie, I'm not just seeing my auntie, I'm speaking to somebody who has been raised in this macro system, who has been fed an ideology through the exosystem, who has gone through schooling within a certain meso and micro system. And she has been formed with all of these different things in in play in and out and in and out. And it's it's this complex interactions that I will never be able to understand. So when my auntie says to my dad, read this book, and it's a deeply offensive book, I can attack my auntie and be full of rage for her, at her. Or I can recognize the culture that has landed her to this point. That doesn't stop me being angry at my auntie. I'm still angry at my auntie. But I'm able to say, I'm able to say, I I understand a little bit more of how you've landed here. And I, I think that makes us a little bit more gracious when we see some of that trajectory, some of those complex interactions. And for a lot of people, not everyone, but for a lot of people, I interact with them not as perpetrators of harm, even though they might say something harmful to me, I see them more as victims of this ideology that has permeated their whole world. And when we see someone as victim in that way, it's much easier to say, I can navigate this with you. The last one that I I came up with and think about lots. um, Strong boundaries save hearts um your heart and their heart i was having a conversation with a colleague yesterday uh, the day before yesterday um and she said look we're always going to disagree my brother-in-law and i and so we have decided that uh we will avoid all of these topics and she listed them off and she said you're a really good uncle to my kids i'm auntie to your kids your husband to my sister Um, we want to keep that relationship Let's not talk about these things. And that was the boundary that they drew. For you, it might be, yep, I'm going to come to Christmas until 12, lunch. And then when this uncle rocks up, I'm actually going to make tracks. Um, It might be, I'm going to be present for two hours, because that is all that is safe for me at this point. And I'm going to head. It might be I don't go at all. And that is a good, healthy decision that some of us need to put in place because that's vital. There's times when it is most loving, both to yourself and to them, for you to step out. And my prayer is that with time, they might see harm if that is what they have caused. That's the reality of this. um, Damn, it's inclusive. Jesus' way of viewing the world. Um, It's the reality of it, isn't it? Um, Some of you might remember back when we looked at Jonah. We looked at this idea of Israelite exceptionalism and the importance of for, for the story of Jonah, for Israel not to see themselves as better than. That, that's, that was a fundamental message of the book of Jonah. I actually think that this parable teaches a really similar thing. You're all welcome because you're all valued. Like, know that. Know your worth. And the flip side of that is all means all. Um, there are, of course, however, in this parable, uh, a group of people who never get to the party. There's a group of people who uh, they make up a bunch of excuses. Uh, Sorry, I bought an ox. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, hands up if you think that uh, I just bought some oxen. I need to go and see it. Hands up if you think that that is a good excuse. Yeah, okay, hey, hey, what about I just got married? Do you, like, do you reckon that's a good excuse? Depends on how close, yeah, 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 that's it. I just got married four years and 22 days ago. Um, no, like, I, I think some of these are actually really good excuses. Um, they're good excuses, I tend to think. But at the end of the day, um, it doesn't really matter whether they're good or, good or not excuses. The reality is they, they didn't want to be part of the party. They didn't want to be there. And uh, there's, I think, this underlying message that Jesus is bringing that I think drops a truth bomb for the Pharisees. Uh, and so he, here's, for me, my two takeaways about this feast Jesus throws as the kingdom of God. And this is what we're thinking about in Advent as we lead up towards Christmas. This is Jesus bringing in the kingdom. This is Jesus saying, yes, you're welcome. You get to be a part of it. There's, there's, two, um, there's two kind of key messages that I take away, and they're on this next slide. The first one is don't miss out. Don't miss out. Like, you get to be a part of this celebrate you get to be a part of this kingdom this king that is coming in waves of justice and glory it's healing for the nations it's people side by side messy doing life together it's complicated but it's love overflowing it's this abundance and in revelation this the 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 vision behind so much of this church is the new city and the river that comes out of the new city this flowing river of of god's power and it's feeding these trees and the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations and and we're invited to be a part of this process and jesus is saying look you might you might be a little bit odd um you might not quite fit in um you're probably not a pharisee you're not an important religious leader it doesn't matter you get to be a part of it. Join in. Um, for me, that is core to this. And the flip side of that is the next one. Don't you dare withhold this invitation from anyone, Pharisees. Um, now, many of us have experienced that, that withholding of the invitation. And for me, there is this Friday, this experience of deep happiness that Jesus says, to the people who kicked me out of the party, you don't get to be a part of it. Oh, that feels bad even saying it. <laughs> uh, Jesus' words, not mine. Uh, but Jesus says, uh, if, you, if you're going to be a part, part of the party, join. You're in. Um, but you don't get to call the shots on who's coming. Um, because everyone gets to be a part of this. And that is, uh, I, I think that is what NCC, you, you guys are embodying so beautifully on so many fronts. Um, what I see when I look at New City Church and the people who just rock up and are part of this is a group of people who have said, yeah, I want to be, be part of this party. And I'm not quite sure what it looks like yet. Like, still, I'm trying to work out what, what this French food is. But it's still good, and I'm a part of it, and it feels nice being here. Um, and from what I experience is this crew embodies the opposite of this. Uh, we, we look at those people who have been turned away, and we call bullshit. And we say, actually, no, you, like, this is your party. You, you were always supposed to be in here. Um, and that is holy, holy, holy work that we get to be a part of. Yeah. Can I pray for us? Let me pray. Um, God, we thank you that you have thrown open the doors of this party that this feast is held, that we can come and be a part of. And with all of our quirks, with all of our sin, with all of our confusion and uncertainty, we can still waltz in. And you invite us as guests. God, we long to be people who who show other people that this party is good, May we never block the door. And God, in this party, there are all sorts of people, people that we perhaps don't know how to get along with um, and people that have caused harm. And God, in that, we're called to show love. Help us to show love in ways that bring healing for us and for them. Help us to know when to step away. Help us to know when to step further in to conversation. Thank you, God, that this party is remarkable and we get to be a part of it. Amen. Um, one of the joys of church is that we get to go to the pub afterwards. Um, and that is where so much of church happens. And my, uh, my challenge for this week is... Keep sharing with each other um, how you're going to survive the next couple of weeks. Um, what does that mean for you? Can I get a show of hands again? Who in the next couple of weeks has to be with a family or a friend group that is perhaps less comfortable than you'd like? Show of hands. Um, there, there's the people that we want to encourage uh, and get alongside tonight and say, hey, this is what I'm doing. Uh, can I flick your t- text? on Christmas afternoon, just to check in, see how you're tracking. That might be something that, yeah, is just healing for this community. Uh, I think that's all from me.